Hi everyone, this is Ilana. I want to first thank you guys so much. You've been listening like crazy to this podcast, the last one on pediatric physical therapy exercises. Had just rave reviews and just incredible listenership. So thank you so much. If anyone's interested in sending me some sponsors, that would be awesome. Or if you just have questions or suggestions for podcasts that you'd like to hear about, please reach out to me, specialneedsinmotion at gmail.com. But today's podcast, I'm really excited. I'm interviewing a mom, and she has a child with Cree du Chat, and we're going to hear a little bit about that, and we're going to talk about physical activity and incorporating drama and working with kids with low tone. So listen along, and thank you again so much. I love you guys, and I'm having such a good time doing this podcast. So here's to all of you. Stay healthy out there and enjoy the podcast. This podcast, Special Needs in Motion, is dedicated to helping individuals learn to move and function at their best. Listen along to learn a little and maybe even laugh and be inspired. Please review and share so others can have access to our community. I'm your host, Ilana, a physical therapist, product developer, mom, wife, author, blogger, and podcaster. I love a great discussion, coaching the families with whom I work, and finding solutions. I love putting the fun and play into therapy. And it is a pleasure to be your host. Just a quick note, if you'd like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to me at specialneedsinmotion.com or just check the show notes. And any information shared here should not be taken as direct advice. You know the drill. Consult your local therapist, professional, or doctor before trying any suggestions. Well, let's go. Well, this is very exciting. I'm so glad you reached out to me. I'm really excited to have you on this podcast and learn more about you and how do you say it? Is it Cree du Chat? I never know how to pronounce it. Properly. Yes, you said it perfectly. Okay, Cree du Chat. And I was looking at your uh, website and just all the things, your experiences, like all the writing you've done, the blogging, the drama, the teaching. And so we're just going to hear all about that. Amazing. I'm just, I can't wait. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, awesome. Wonderful. So give us just a little bit of background about how you got into, let's say, blogging for special needs. And if you want to touch a little bit about your own personal history, that would be awesome. Okay. So I'm an English teacher and my daughter, who is almost 10 this year, was diagnosed with Cree when she was 18 months old. And I learned that I needed a way to make sense of her story and make sense of my story. And I was modeling an assignment for my students um, about writing a personal narrative. And I decided to write about my daughter and it just sort of poured out of me and inspired the first piece I wrote called The Irony of Language about being a teacher and teaching words and then having a child that may never have them. And um, it started this journey to express what a lot of special needs parents sort of only think. And I was able to put words to it. And that was the beginning of my blog. So tell us a little bit about Cree du Chat. 
I, I would just like to understand a little bit about that background. Sure. You know, yeah. See, like, what does it look like? If sure. You could so say, typically. It's a good question. So Crudishaw is a deletion, a deletion of the fifth chromosome and it's a, it's a spectrum. So for some children, their needs might be more pronounced than others. Um, so typically the children um, have microcephaly, hypotonia, a cat-like cry, which is actually how a lot of them are diagnosed. And that's what Crudishaw stands for in French. Um, mm-hmm. It stands for cat-like cry. And then there's um, a lot of cognitive delays, physical delays. Um, so some children will never walk or talk, and some will achieve those milestones, um, but need significant support in their lives. Well, I saw the video on your website, uh, which is lovingyoubig.com, yes. by the way. and I, it really was so beautifully portrayed. Um, I love the way it started and you just really explained what you saw in your child and, you know, how it might look a little differently, but typically, you know, what was going on and developmentally. So I think for anybody who wants to watch that, that would be like really helpful for them to kind of get just a bird's eye view. Yes. Thank you. And she's so little in that video. And now she's, like I said, she's almost 10. So we're hoping to make another one to give families some idea of what one child's experience might look like in this longitudinal way. Sure. And in that video, how old was she then? I think she was only two, two and a half. Okay. And she had just started walking. Just started. So what are some of the developmental challenges or milestones since that time that you think might be different than, let's say, a neurotypically developing child? Yeah, that's um, a really good question. So Jordan wasn't potty trained until she was about six maybe six and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, she, so she did take her first steps, maybe around two and a half. And then to, to increase her gait and the, have the strength to keep going, um, took a lot longer. And I would say, I'm not sure she quite ever really runs yet, but whatever that looks like probably de- developed around five. Uh huh. Um, she started creating I called them the outline of words around three, three and a half, and then longer utterances around four. And she is recognizing some initial sight words right about now at nine. And we're not sure she'll ever write, but she can she can sort of hold a pencil and write her name. Um, I'm not sure how long she can sustain that. Well, most and, of us can't do that anymore. <laughs> I know, with all the computers. <laughs> exactly. So so she is meeting, uh, she has met a lot of the milestones that we thought maybe she would never do. Well, you know, one thing that I love that you touch on is that you wanted to give a different, I, mean, you, I, I forgot your wording, but, you know, a different storyline for parents yes. with children with special needs. And I just love that. Thank you. Yeah. I I, want to change the narrative. I think was my English teacher phrasing. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I like that. Changing Mm -hmm. the narrative. And, you know, as a physical therapist, sometimes I see the the frustration and the sadness, particularly in moms, you know, I Mm -hmm. see it in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And 
I want them to celebrate their children. And they do. Mm-hmm. I, it's mm-hmm. not that they don't. And, and it's okay. You know, we all have ups and downs. Um, but I love this idea of just like making the story one of joy, you know, a celebration. So can you yeah. touch on that a little bit? Of course. It's my favorite thing to talk about. So, of course, I think, I think so many of us um, were raised with the stories of disabilities coming from this long-term legacy of something that was a story of sadness the children were on the outskirts of society. So when I was growing up and in the eighties, anyone with a significant disability went to a different school. I never saw them. They were whispered about in the neighborhood or in the communities I went to. And I sort of absorbed this idea that having a disability was something to be mourned. It was something sad and yet I dedicate my life to teaching children of all levels and all abilities. And it, it wasn't sad to me as an educator. But when I got the diagnosis as a mother, it completely devastated me, like so many other parents, because you have this vision of what your child may or may not be. And then you're found, yes. you know, you're raising a different child. And I think that if we could have more texts around us, whether those are advertisements or commercials or books or movies, where we see disabilities portrayed as not something that is sad, but is just something that is a part of a person's identity. And that is, then we fight for inclusion on the playground and in communities. I think the sadness we feel as parents would be then the sadness that we feel that all parents feel that if your child is struggling or your child is sick, but not because your child is so othered or so different. And I know it's a bit idealized, but I do, I see it. I see it happening. I see it changing. And I, it's part of my mission is just to keep creating opportunities where children with disabilities are not, are not the exception, but just fully ingrained in society. I love that. And, you know, maybe we need to find a different word than disability. Exactly. Um, Like superpower ability. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. What's your superpower, you know? Yeah. So, and, and I think also children with what I call hidden disabilities. So Mm -hmm. these are kids that maybe they don't physically have those challenges they really fall between the cracks because, Mm -hmm. you know, the disappointment of them not being an A student or not, you know, whatever, you know. Yes. Yes. um, For the parents too. And usually sometimes one parent's more on board than with the other. So it can cause issues. Yes. Yeah. There's a, there's a huge divorce rate with special needs families as well. Um, It's, it's a hard it's a hard journey, but I think if we can keep working and advocate for ways to bring, make it a little bit easier at a time, we can create change and, and move the needle a little bit. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do from the writing side of things. Well, that's great. And then also Mm -hmm. you currently teach drama or you did? I do currently. Yes. Yes. Okay. I love that. My daughter is an actress and she's in LA right now. So so, uh, she's been in drama her whole life. And um, I so enjoyed that part of uh, raising her. But I love, I love this idea of giving a voice to um, either nonverbal or 
children with special needs. How, mm-hmm. how do you tell us a little bit about your drama and kind of how you meld those two things together? Sure. Yeah. So I teach uh, an adaptive theater class. So they're for children with significant special needs. Mm-hmm. Some are nonverbal um, and they have physical and cognitive disabilities. And one of the things I learned early on is that so many times we take away voice and choice from students, especially when we're not sure if they can. Mm -hmm. So even if there's a child who's nonverbal, I'll still put out two scarves in front of them and give them a moment to choose what color they want. And they will always choose the color they want. It might take a moment. They don't have to verbalize it, but they get and they get a moment to express what they need. And it's a very, very small example, but I I think it's important to remember that when we see children with significant disabilities and because of the messaging we've received, we associate it with the concept of not able, that they need help in all things. And I think it's really important, whether it's in the classroom or on the playground or in any community setting, that we let children express themselves and of course support them to keep them safe and healthy, but that every individual has an ability to give us their voice and that we just have to look for more creative outlets to let them share it. You know, I wish I had had that concept kind of in my head. It wasn't that I didn't give my children choices, but just like keeping that at the forefront Mm-hmm. Um, just really empowers the child and the parent. Because one, it in my mind, enables a parent to turn over some decision-making to a child, mm-hmm. no matter where they are, you know, right. their abilities and, and this idea of making choice. And I also heard from a previous podcaster, we were talking about ADHD and she was saying something along the lines of, you know, also like giving them choice, but also realizing that just because a child, let's say is 10, it doesn't mean that they're 10 in every area of their life. Yes. So once you get that idea, you're like, yes. okay, I have an 18-year-old, but maybe they are 12 in regards to decision-making. And maybe they're 25 in regards to their social skills. So yes, it just yes. is much better than these numbers we assign. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and that there's always there's always room for growth. And I think that's what's so cool about being a teacher and raising my own children. So in addition to my daughter, I have twin boys and one of them also has special needs without a diagnosis. And there are times when I'm tired and I'm depleted. I just sort of do for them and am, am always reminded of how much they're able to do without me. And, and that it's so much easier to say, here, I'll put your shoes on or here, I'll put your pants on or I'll help Mm -hmm. you with your orthotics or whatever device they're wearing at that time. Um, But I I think that children are really watching and picking up and we want to make sure those behaviors aren't formed in a way that we can't change them. So that that sort of learned helplessness piece, Mm -hmm. um, really supporting and encouraging them wherever we can. Yeah. Well, you're not alone. I also have twin boys and um, it's interesting when they were four, 
Um, I remember I have this visual memory of them sitting around their little preschool table and all the little girls were like opening up their little granola bars or if they were eating and my boys were just kind of staring at their granola bars. Aww. And I was like, oh, maybe I've been helping them out a little too much. <laughs> you can open those. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I understand that, you know, but it's, it's all a learning process. You know, oh, yeah. Parent is a huge it's so learning hard. process about yourself. You yeah, <laughs> that's the whole thing. Yeah, we have yeah. to be nice to ourselves because it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> so you have had just an incredible experience uh, raising Jordan. And tell us some of her gifts that you see that have come out of this. Well, my child um, loves loves herself and loves life more than anyone I have ever met. She is pure joy. And what's amazing is how personable she is. And she does not care if people don't know what she's saying. She doesn't care if she's interrupting a formal occasion. She's just there and ready to spread her love to whoever wants it. And it's been in her since she was tiny. I think one of her first you know, therapeutic centers gave her an award of being like the mayor. She was just social and everywhere. And what's really wonderful to spend your life loving Jordan is you can just see the beauty of the world around you. Just that innocence is always there. It doesn't mean she doesn't have massive temper tantrums and totally go to the other side, but her innate person of who she is, is pure, pure joy. She's so social. And I think that we're we're a family that espouses the concept of kindness and connection and you know we're storytellers and it's just nice to see what gifts she's received and what's passed on through her and um she was recently in a play well it wasn't so recent but she talks about it every day so it feels recent but she had an opportunity to be the magic carpet in Aladdin and she i think literally stole the show she um was everywhere and dancing all over the place and talks about it all the time and just wants to just be included. And it's just adorable and (laughs) wonderful to be near. Oh, no, go ahead. Finish. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Just that it's wonderful to be near. I was just uh, thinking about drama and acting and children with physical needs, particularly, Mm -hmm. but also obviously language needs. There's so many benefits to drama Yes. Because using, you're using speech or some form of communication. Uh, you're also using your body, a lot of body language. Yes. And I was thinking that from a physical therapy standpoint, how good it is to be able to, let's say, express yourself with your whole self, your arms, your legs, your trunk, your core, like everything's engaged. And, yes. And it's a great physical pursuit, not just, you know, theatrical. Yes, absolutely. There's a really wonderful strategy when teaching theater. It's called the tableau. It's a frozen picture. And any child of any ability can sort of freeze in a picture. So I've had children who are wheelchair bound and nonverbal, and we can help them sort of point to the picture they might want and help them position their body and still freeze in that picture and still tell stories. And that's what's so beautiful about the art form is it's it's inclusive and universal. And I encourage anyone who's listening to consider that as an outlet for their 
child because I think it's really healthy and the art of play is inherent to what every child needs and wants. Oh, and adults. Like we we still need to play, right? We do. I think we forget that. I love the idea too with drama that it's really this divergent thinking as opposed to what we call convergent thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, where you have to find one answer. So I remember as a child being at camp and and the drama teacher would like hand us an object. Okay. So let's say it was something round and I would say, oh, it's a ball. Like I would pretend it was a ball. Then the next person might pretend it was a something else, you know? And yes. so, and everybody, so this one object could become so many different things. So it just, it just opens up this whole world of expression. And I love using drama with physical therapy. So I bring it in a lot into physical therapy. You know, we can pretend. And I know That's other wonderful. therapists do this too. You, were, you really yeah. can't be a pediatric therapist <laughs> without this gift. Yes. Um, <laughs> because like kids don't just walk because you just say walk, you know. That's they right. to be, you know, on a knight on a horse or something. That's right. A conductor on a train, bringing them along. Yeah, I think we've right. done it all in this right. house. So, yes. But how else does she get let's say physical, does she do any other sort of physical activity? Like how do you keep her? Yes. So that's a real, that's a, it's a very big challenge. And especially during the pandemic, it became a very big concern for us. Um, Jordan has hypotonia and low tone from every muscle in her body. So she fatigues very, very, very quickly. And yet we still need to keep her moving. So during a typical pre-COVID world, we had her engaged in a lot of different activities. Um, and most of those had couldn't happen. So one of the things that we're finding is dance. Dance class for Jordan is imperative and beautiful. And whatever that looks like for her, she finds her own way. Mm-hmm. We did struggle to find an inclusive dance class. Um, she was wearing orthotics and she had to have her shoes on with it. And the instructor, you know, the dance class said that she had to dance with ballet slippers. And I said, we were unable to do so. And then they said it wasn't a good fit. So I had to really advocate and find a place where she felt accepted and safe and could just kind of play. And we've done that. So dance is huge for her. Now, is we've that also- a, is that a uh, like online dance that anyone could any parent could look yeah, up. so so yeah, this this question sort of has three answers. One is pre pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and all the time. So there are um a lot of resources. There's a resource called Go Noodle, which is for classroom teachers, but it's free and they have dancing activities and sort of game activities. You can jump and follow along and they're really engaging. And right now, everything is online because so many teachers have posted their activities to YouTube. So one of the other strategies we found works for her is we 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 listened to what she loves, and she loves Disney princesses. So we created Disney princess cards, and each one has a different yoga pose or a different activity. And her therapists have been so incredible. So if she's Ariel, for example, she's, you know, turning her body look more like a mermaid and working on her core. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, uh, we also, so we took her out in the snow. We live in New York. We're having a huge storm and just kept kind of 
pulling her and pushing her to walk through the snow and um, wherever we can find a moment. If we're going somewhere, we park further away to help her walk a little bit further. Um, sometimes we get her a wheelchair if she'll, if we're going for a really long time. So that way she can take a break and then keep practicing. So we've just learned to get really creative and make it at the forethought of everything we do. And, and with that, trying to teach her good nutrition and try to explain to her why we have to eat certain foods. That's not going as well, but <laughs> we're, it's not going as well for everybody, but we're trying. Um, and then one of the best things is she loves to chase around her siblings. So they will play a little game with her and she she chases them around the house. So we're trying to get some active That's movement great. in even when we're all together. Do you guys have a swing inside the house? We don't have one inside the house. We have one outside that we borrowed and she did, um, she went into it once it's like the cocoon kind and she fell asleep <laughs> and it was amazing. And then she wouldn't go in it again. And we do have a, adaptive swings around the neighborhood, but they um, installed the wrong size, which is sad. So I gave them credit for, for trying to get adaptive swings in, but we got to go a little further and make sure they're the right ones. So right. She, she's unable to swing in it because it's too low to the ground. Okay. Well, I probably yeah. need to do another podcast. I did one a while back on swings, but yes. you can use like a hard platform swing is really good for heavy work. Uh, okay. So those are fun. You know, yeah. you can put install those in your house. But anyways, there's so your ideas sound fantastic. I always say the first thing you do is get rid of your couch. <laughs> I always tell yes. parents yes. <laughs> that nobody's <laughs> lounging on it. But I love the adapted dance. And I actually use that. I, I mean, I'm not a ballet teacher, but I did take ballet. So I use some ballet uh, when I'm doing physical therapy with certain children who can follow certain mm -hmm. things or might be working on weight shifting or things like that. And, and the, one of the little girls I work with, she loves to dress up. So also that's such a great way to get movement going. So yes. Those, those and, really and the repetition I think is really helpful. If any parents trying to do it on their own, I do this with my theater class. I do it at home. When we play, whatever it is we're playing, we play it the same way so that she knows there's an opening there's a main activity and there's a closing and it helps her to transition to the next activity. So we know that after 20 to 30 minutes of really trying to get her to exert energy, she's going to have to rest for almost an hour, an hour and a half, but we can help her with that transition back down because that's usually where the temper tantrums are curved. So she's so exhausted. It's hard for her body to just melts down. And that's, so that's, I would suggest that to parents. Yeah. And you know, that's really important about low tone. I don't think people really understand how much more energy and even mm -hmm. as therapists, we forget mm -hmm. how much more energy it takes for a child with low tone to just sit much less move and coordinate and everything. And, you know, it's hard. We learned about the spoon theory, which I can't remember who taught it to me and I can't remember who came up with it, but it's a theory that if you're given eight spoons a day for me to get dressed, it might be a quarter of a spoon. And for my daughter, it might be two and a half spoons. Yes. And I have to think about 
planning. This has been one of the best pieces of advice. I plan her day to make sure we don't have more than eight spoons worth of activities. So if I was taking her from, you know, school to get home, to change to dance class, to go home, to grab something to eat, go home and pick up her brother, she can't, she can't do all those things. It's just too many spoons. So it's really helped me to slow down and understand what to prioritize and when she needs the break and how many spoons really a person needs to use in a day. It's been very helpful. I need to, I need to use that with my husband when we go on a trip because <laughs> he'll want to do like, like four hikes in a day, you know, too many I'm, spoons. Yeah, like that's, using too many spoons. I'm going to tell him that's too many spoons for me. That's right. <laughs> but also in addition, I like to let parents know that, it is harder and it might take longer, but it doesn't mean they can't do it. Exactly. So, you know, they might need a break, but we don't give up and just say, oh, that's hard. It's like even tummy time, like, oh, my child doesn't like tummy time. Okay. You know what? No, most kids don't really like tummy time. Right. right. And, but with low tone, it is harder. But so we need, we actually need more tummy time. It's right. just so we might need more breaks and we might need to have our expectations, you know, add some patience in there with. Yes. Yes. So, but don't give up. Persistence and consistency, like you said, and routine is key. One of my favorite examples of that is um, we took my three children to the local mall, you know, pre, pre-COVID. And we thought Jordan would be able to make it from the play space area back to the escalator to get in the car. And she just, she could not move any further. And now she's, I think she was about six years old and the tantrum was starting and it was really hard to get her out. And we all just sort of sat in the middle of the floor of the mall and (laughs) talked to her and she would not move. And we were trying to figure out what to do. And my sons who were two, two and a half at the time, were playing in my pocket while we were sitting and they pulled out two crayons and they went over and they drew pretend wings on Jordan's back. And they said, you just can't go because, you know, you don't have wings in whatever two-year-old language they had. And she got up and she walked right out with them all the way to the car. And my husband and I were like, oh, okay. And, you know, just quickly followed behind. But we were ready to pick her up and throw over her shoulder and make a huge scene. And it, it just reminded me if I if I tune back into to them, to what my children need, what my daughter needs, she's gonna she's telling me what she needs and I have to make sure I'm listening. It's one of my favorite examples. Oh, that is such a good example. It reminds mm-hmm. me, uh, my older son worked at a camp for children with special needs at, uh, many years ago, but he was telling me that it, it was an integrate. I'm sorry, it was an integrated camp. So some okay. of the children had special needs. But either way, he was telling me that uh, I just remember this example, and as you told your story, it reminded me that there was a, a young boy with Down syndrome, and he just, they were doing dancing, and he just laid down on the ground. You know, he had had enough. And so their strategy at the camp was not to pull him out of the circle, but for everyone else to get down on the floor with him. Hmm. And that sounds like exactly what you just did. Mm-hmm. And that just, you know, dissolved a lot of his frustration and said, Hey, we're all here with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, yeah, that is beautiful. I should try that in my classroom. 
<laughs> yeah, I was thinking we should do that, like, you know, at an office meeting when you just feel like banging right. your head on the ground, you know, right. everybody. We all do it together. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> let's lay on the floor sometimes and get upset and let's all do it. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay, so how about just telling everybody, this has been amazing. If there's anything else you want to share, please do. And then also, if you could tell us where people can reach you and find you and any works that you've done, if you want to share. Sure, yes. Well, I, I've i loved talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, uh, yes, so I am, I'm, my memoir is called Loving You Big, and it's sort of what I was, it's from birth to now, the the journey of what I wish I knew as a special needs parent, how to use humor and, and joy, because I think sometimes that's lost. And that's going to be coming out in August of this year, 2021. And, um, and then I'm also working on a detective series for middle grade children where one of the main characters has a disability so I can continue to work on shifting that narrative where the story is not about the disability but somebody with a disability is just a part of the story um and I created a character inspired by my daughter who's not exactly her um and those I'm still working on and working to pitch with my with my agent. So most people can find me um well you can all find me on loving you big which is my website and it's also my names for all the things, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And one of the things I do on the website is I highlight and share the stories of other parents who might want to share a story themselves. And I'm happy to write it for people who aren't sure if they know what to write. But with a quick interview, I can help share the story. So um, that's on the Parenting Spotlight series, a part of the website. So it's at Loving You Big. Awesome. Well, we are loving you big for speaking, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> for speaking with us and sharing your story. And I think it's so important to share our stories. So I really yes. appreciate your coming forward and doing that. And I'm sure it's going to impact a lot of people listening. And if they have questions, they will reach out to you at lovingyoubig.com. Thank you for listening and sharing. I really appreciate your helping me spread tips that might be of help to someone you know. And remember that why is not near as important as what and how. Have a special day.